Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. On board this aircraft, there are six emergency exits. Hello, everybody. This is Ron, your captain speaking. We are currently 30,000 feet in the air, and we haven't even left the airport. We just lit the joint. <laughs> just getting a little, little pilot humor there. We like to have fun. Our destination today is Casablanca, Morocco. So everyone, sit back, fasten your seatbelts, and prepare for takeoff. We will be arriving in six hours and 50 What's going on, Seven Footers gang? You know what it is. We're back here again. Gerard and Jenna out here. What's going on over there, my partner in crime? It is a beautiful day in New York City. What, 70 plus degrees out here? People mm-hmm. losing their godforsaken minds, like in the summertime. I mean, look, I don't, listen, I, I, I don't blame them, right? It's been a it's been a hell of a year plus, um, you know, we're, we're somewhat nearing the finish line slowly. People, don't lose your minds out there. Keep doing what's right. Get yourselves vaccinated. Keep masking up until CDC lets us know otherwise. But, you know, Jenna, I'm, I'm all right. I'm, I'll tell you what, I'm doing better than most of the NBA teams are doing. But we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. Uh, talk about the word that comes to mind when it comes to the NBA and injuries right now. Depleted. So many teams are depleted, and that is because of injury, and that is no surprise to some who have predicted this, like Gerard. But we will get into it, but first we need to open today's episode with more of an off-brand-ish headline, but it means the most right now, more than basketball, more than anything, and that would be the verdict in the Derek Chauvin trial of the death of George Floyd. And he was convicted and guilty of all counts of murder in the trial. And he faces up to 40 years in prison for second degree murder, up to 25 for third degree murder, and up to 10 for second degree manslaughter. So we know that it was a year in the making, uh, this trial. And the verdict, while it is good, it is a stepping stone, um, to say the least, for the black community and Gerard, I would just give the floor to you to give some thoughts. Well, you know, look, this is, you you mentioned this is bigger than basketball and you're so right about that. And it being a stepping, stepping stone also correct. Look, I'm not, and look, if people want to be out like celebrating and like having a good time, like that's how you process cool. Like I'm not here to judge that. What I'm here to say is, is that, what we saw today uh, in, in the verdict was accountability, right? Someone was held accountable for something they did that was clearly heinous, egregious, and wrong and sent to jail. Point blank, period. End of, end of discussion on that. However, the systems and the, and the policies that allow people like Derek Chauvin to do what they did to black and brown and marginalized people, those systems and policies still exist. And we are a long, long, long way away from eradicating those things. When people talk about defund the police and and abolish prisons and all those things, these are the systems and things in place we're talking about here. Um, And so, again, while there was accountability today in Minnesota, um, and I'm pleased about that, 
we, you know, this is the fact that this is the first time this has happened in America where you've had a, a, a victim that was murdered by the hands of police on crime and there was actual accountability. That tells you all you need to know and how far we still have yet to go. Right. A long, long way away. So justice, uh, justice delayed. Right. It is justice denied, as, as the great Martin Luther King once said. So we are still well, well a ways away. And think about all the other people before George Floyd and after George Floyd who were not able to have that accountability for their murderers. Right. So mm -hmm. it's we're a long way away. And we face the same type of journey ahead or similar, I should say, when it comes to the life of Dante Wright. So again, like we say, it's not over. It's it, the work continues. Uh, Warner Media put out a quick um, but meaningful reaction statement to this that said the work continues, quote, while this verdict doesn't bring back those who were so wrongfully lost, we know that it brings us closer to significant change. So hopefully that significant change will, this will be the catalyst of that. And hopefully. it shouldn't have had to take this incident, us watching a murder on live video, but here we are, and now we can officially say that Derek Chauvin is a convicted murderer. So with that being said, the league has reacted. A bunch of players, um, including LeBron James, um, and the list goes on, just preaching what you were saying, Gerard, the accountability factor and things like that and how the work still continues. So we will definitely keep an eye on that and keep you guys posted. And that, again, is a small victory, but nothing to be so celebratory about mm -hmm. when the fight mm -hmm. still continues. Let's move on here because we have to talk about on another um, different note here, the NBA and the fear of injuries. Our guy, as we always quote on this podcast, Baxter Holmes put out a great article investigating how the league and its officials are, are kind of rearing the ugly head now of what was predicted, how this compact schedule off of the bubble season with the, uh, slow turnaround rate of what 70 games for teams like the Lakers who mm -hmm. are coming off a championship, how that is impacting injury. And it's, it's enforcing more injury on young players who are just going down, who we're seeing uh, like Jamal Murray, uh, Donovan Mitchell's out with the right ankle sprain, Kevin Durant, thigh contusion, James Harden. Now we're just learning of a setback um, in rehab. Mm -hmm. So Talk to me about these injuries and what we're seeing. Again, the list goes on. Miles Turner out indefinitely. We have Kawhi Leonard, who's going to be reevaluated with right foot soreness. And LeBron James, still weeks away from return. Anthony Davis, hopeful for this week, but mm, doubtful yeah. at this point yeah. in the game. What is your, except for I told you so, <laughs> what would be your your reaction to this? It is bad out here in yeah. these NBA streets. Yeah. And, and you know, about injury, I don't want to be, I told you so about that, but this is, this no, is, no. this is the reality. Right. And I talked about it at the beginning, beginning of the season. I said, Oh, we're coming back after only 70 something days. And you want to cram 72 games into a compressed timetable. Hmm. Sounds like a recipe for disaster to me. And sure enough, it is. And it's, you know, I want to be clear about this. You have to look at everything and its impact. It's not just the idea of they're playing lots of games in a compressed schedule. It is everything compacted and compounded upon that. Um, I'm working on something for True Hoop, which I've been teasing for a while around injuries in the NBA. And I've talked to dozens of medical professionals. And every single one of them tell me the NBA plays too many games. The, the amount of stress 
and load on these players' bodies. This is what leads to these soft tissue injuries, hamstrings and things of that nature. And the the just the simplest way of putting it so that people can understand, when you are physically tired, what ends up happening is your mechanics in your movement aren't as strong and fluid as they should be. When that doesn't happen, that leads to a higher rate of injury. And the reason why you're not able to do that is because of the the, the compact nature of the schedule and the amount of games. So what's happening is you're not getting the adequate time to rest and recover and then train, not necessarily basketball train, but train the muscles of your body up again to build, to maintain the strength, then practice and then perform at, at, a, at a high load level, right? When you have a game on Monday and then you're playing again on Wednesday, back to back on Thursday, and then you're playing again on Saturday, where is the time for rest that I mentioned and recovery, training of those of those muscles that I talked about, and the practice to get yourself up and ready for a high intensity? You have none. There is there there is no days. There's only seven days in a week, right? You can't recover, train, and on the same day. That's that's not that's not how that works, right? And Adam Silver, because his number one goal was the 2021-2022 season being back on a normal schedule. Well, yeah. If if that's your number one goal, this season was always going to look the way it looks right now and it is a disaster, right? And you just we're seeing it all over the place and it's unfortunate. And you know, a lot of teams right now are really, you know, if you're a fan of that team and I know coaches and GMs are concerned, look, there, there's concern in Brooklyn right now, right? At the beginning of the season, all of the outside forces were like, oh, that crew will never get along. They're all malcontents. That ain't their problem. Everybody's fine in that locker room in terms of getting along. Their issue is injury right now, right? Now, the Durant, the latest thing, that wasn't a, a, a byproduct of rest and recovery, right? He got a knee to the to the thigh from, from Trevor Ariza, but mm-hmm. the 20-something games he missed prior to that were because of a hamstring, right? Not to mm-hmm. mention he's coming off his Achilles tendon uh, surgery, right? Um, you know, the James Harden situation, suffering that setback. It, these All these injuries are a result of playing too many games in a shortened period. And I've been a proponent of this forever. You know, my guys at True Hoop, we are as well. Cut this season down. Uh, you know, it's, it's been talked Do about. Do you mean MB- cut this specific season oh, down or in, in general, less in, in the schedule? In general, less in the schedule, right? So on NBA Twitter, it's been something talked about forever. Uh, and shouts to Sam Esfandiari uh, for saying that. Because I was like, you know, I've always been like a 65-ish game component over the same time period. So if we start like October 31st, Halloween, and we go through April like we usually do, I'm like 65 games. That's, you know, that's enough time for rest and recovery. Mm-hmm. Sam went one step further. He's like, how about 58 games? You play each team Ooh. twice. I'm like, brilliant, right? Imagine, just a home and away. Home and away versus every team in the league. Done. Do you know how much better the product would be? Well, yes, you're, you're, you're doing the international sign for, but Gerard, what about the money? 1,000%. But here's the <laughs> thing. The NBA is full of smart people, right? The local TV deals are based on an 82-game regular season. I understand that. Okay. How about okay. you sell more uh, jersey uh, ad space on the jerseys? How about you fix the NBA League Press product, which is atrocious, and add some different sponsor-level things in there? How about, because if you do this 58-game schedule, because of the nature of it, you'll be able to do about a maybe three-week break somewhere in the middle there, (laughs) where you can do something like what they do in soccer, a Champions League type of tournament, some kind of thing in the middle there, 
right? Ooh, someone's going to sponsor that. There's more money. Look, there are, and that's just off the top of my head. And there are way smarter people than me who can figure out a million other ways to keep the money around the same. I mean, I I don't know. It's not rocket science. If you care about the, the product that you're putting out, this injury concern you're having right now needs to change. This 82 game season is from a bygone era. These players are way too big, way too strong, way too fast. And their bigger muscled people need more time to recover. That's just, I don't know, common sense 101, right? So I just feel like they need to really look at how this is happening and how they can change the way the NBA product is delivered. Exactly. And really quick before we wrap this up, um, remember not too long ago, we were speaking about, and I shouldn't say not too long ago, you know, a significant amount of months back. In the beginning of the season, we were talking about another piece similar that Baxter Holmes did where they were talking about how medical staff or teams were not even able to come in contact with the players, meaning they were not getting the proper recovery. They were not getting the proper treatment. And while that may not be the case right now, I'm sure there are still uh, trial and error, cause and effect type of things where they're not exactly getting their regular treatments because of COVID still. I mean, these teams aren't fully vaccinated yet. It's moving in that direction, but the medical staff and the training staff are still at some sort of disadvantage with these players already. And one more thing from this article that I just want to point out is that one veteran NBA athletic trainer said that this season with injury and everything that goes into it is significantly worse than the NBA bubble season. That's a strong statement seeing as the types of restrictions for everyone having to be put in a bubble. However, they weren't traveling then and they're traveling now. So that type of stuff happens, but man, I mean, it's like you, again, we always say you take one step forward and a million steps back. It's like, did we make the right decision? Is the long-term effects from this going to hurt us? I mean, Jamal Murray already has a torn ACL. I mean, Jenna, so. you're you're right on with this. The other big thing too is Baxter pointing out, and you so eloquently said about you know last season was the bubble, so the travel was a big piece of it. Well, they're back traveling now. The other thing is, as you know, these NBA players are creatures of habit. Testing twice a day messes up your entire daily schedule, right? These guys generally take naps sometime in the afternoon before a night. They don't. They can't. The, the schedule is not the same now because they have to come into the facility in the morning for testing, head back home, right? Come back for shoot around and whatever. That, it's mm-hmm. it, it's just, it's messing up their entire rhythm. And again, the casual fan, you know, probably like, whatever, I work, I sit at my desk 12 hours a day. I'm like, whatever, I don't care. The, the, the point of it is, is that these are elite athletes who the reason why they're able to perform at the level they perform at is because of having these manic, these like perfectly tailored schedules, right? To rest and recover, have their nap, do all the various things. And look, this is about the money, right? And it's not just all in the owners. The players agree to it, right? The Players Association agreed to this. They, if they didn't want to play, they would have not played, right? They would have said, no, way too many games, cut it down. But the money is real, and no side is willing to give up any dollars. But again, I think there's a way in which we can be smarter about this. And then for this season too, Jenna, the other part that's, you know, people we aren't talking about as much. Okay, this season finishes sometime in July. We crown a champion. This is also an Olympic year. Like, what? Who in their right mind wants to play in the Olympics after going through, like, honestly, when I see names like LeBron James and Kevin Durant on that, I'd be like, are you guys high? Like, what are you doing? You've already won. It is 420. Oh, well, it is 420. You've won a million gold medals already. Like, stop. 
Like what? No. Stop. Right. Like why? You get those months off this summer to literally recover your body because the mm-hmm. next season is going to be here before you know it. Especially for guys like that too, though, LeBron James and everything. And again, we always talk about father time is undefeated, but for real, I mean, now after this season alone, the bubble season and this season, my God, I mean, this man, obviously I don't believe is going to retire anytime soon, but get that rest in man. I mean, the first significant injury of his career happens this particular season. Just saying, you know, oh, <laughs> don't, don't be pushing the envelope on that one. I LBJ. don't think that's coincidence. Hey, you know, um, yeah. But lastly, the latest news, like we said, in the injury pool is James Harden. He is out indefinitely right now. Steve Nash, coach Steve Nash of the Nets, does not know when he's going to return. And he's going to be reevaluated after that setback um, on the court in practice. Now he has that hamstring strain. So, again, not good news for the Nets, but no, we'll no. see. They, look, Steve's worried. I mean, we just right before we started recording, he had his pregame availability. For tonight's game against the Pelicans, and they have nine players available tonight. Nine. Um, and they have a back-to-back. They play Wednesday night um, in Tampa against the Raptors. Uh, that's Not to mention, their stars aren't fully healthy either that's, at this point. I mean, Kyrie, everything. That is not ideal at all. And Steve mm-hmm. said it. He's like, our goal over these next two games is to just get out unscathed. Right? Like... It ain't even about wins. I mean, they're not going to try to lose the games, but he's like, we just need, we can't have any more people go down because they just don't have enough. No. The, the rosters are, they're where they are. Because not to mention Nicholas Claxton and Reggie Perry, they're not injured, but they were put into health and safety protocol. So who knows when they're going to be back? Seven days, something like that. It's just, you know, and Brooklyn is just one team that's feeling this, but there are a lot of teams around the league who, listen, I said this before, whoever has nine healthy bodies that can stand upright come July. That's probably who's going to win the title. I mean, because this is where we're at. It's extremely devastating when you try to think of the outlook with all these guys down. So we'll have to see. Hopefully everybody makes speedy recoveries and gets back to the floor because your girl's sweating out here in the East <laughs> All right. But, you know, uh, on a better note here, Steph Curry is mm. not injured. Knock mm. on wood. All of the wood in America, please, for those ankles. <laughs> and he is on a continued hot streak. Okay. He most recently just got MVP chance on the road in Philly. A rarity being on the road and just receiving that type of warm welcome in a fellow rival. But again, I mean, this is arguably the best and most prolific hot streak we have seen Steph Curry on in his, what, 12-year career? And that says a lot, seeing as (laughs) (laughs) the resume that he already has. Mm -hmm. I mean, he just dropped 49 points in their most recent game, 20 of them in the fourth quarter. I mean, he's raining threes. It's out of control at this point, and he dropped that over his brother, uh, Seth Curry, the 76ers, who's also on an offensive tear himself, but nothing like his brother, uh, (laughs) just to note that large difference there. He's breaking records, passing Kobe in different accolades at this point. I mean, what do you got to say? I mean, he just broke Wilt Chamberlain's record um, Mm -hmm. as the the Warriors' all-time leading scorer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, these names that he's associated with, it's at this point, it's just silly. It's silly. You know, it's it's funny. Steph did say, you know, while he was appreciative of of passing Wilt, he said, "I realized that Wilt scored his points in far fewer games than I did," (laughs) Um, which is which is really funny for 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 him to note, being like, "Yeah, I'm I'm quite I'm playing quite well, but you know." Wilt's one of those guys who like um, talk about transcending the game. 
look, Steph is incredible, right? A two-time MVP, a three-time champion. I mean, the list goes on. Greatest shooter we've ever seen in the history of the NBA. That's not even a debate anymore. Um, no. You know, the only sad part about this is, is that he is at this level, right? This apex level of his powers. But the team that is surrounding him ain't quite up to that level. And I don't mean playing as good as he is. I mean, not when he, when Steph is up playing like this and when you have a player of that caliber, it is incumbent on you to have a roster around him that can compete for a championship for as long as he has this window. And this is a year while he's going to do his, and he will drag them into the playoffs. They ain't good enough to beat anybody, right? Like they're just, they're just not right. That you, you, because Steph by himself in the postseason, when defenses know, all right, this is what they do in the whole nine, it isn't enough, right? Will he scare a team? Maybe, you know, win a couple of games on his own, no doubt. But the rest of that roster just isn't up to the up to the, the challenge of winning a championship. And, you know, it, it, it's a shame on, on that level. But in terms of his play, I mean, I was watching the end of that game and I was like, uh, Sixers, good night. I was like, I was like, you have no prayer because once he has a sliver of daylight, that shot's going in. Like, I mean, and it's the degree of difficulty of the shots he's hitting. I mean, it's, it's in, in, and with a game head to head against Embiid, who was another MVP candidate, Steph shined the brightest, right? I mean, he mm-hmm. just did. Um, and pulled out a win for the yeah, dubs. Which no is doubt. Weird. And, and the dubs need that win, right? Cause they're, they're fighting, they're fighting to stay in that play in spot. So, they are. you know, Steph has been incredible um, on that tear, consecutive 30-point games. Um, you know, the man at the top of that list, James Harden, I think he's like 30-something in a row. So we have a little while to go before he before he gets before he gets there. But, you know, needless to say, I mean, Steph is literally, he's as good as any player in the NBA. And, you know, it's, it's a marvel to watch him do that and play the way he's playing. Doc Rivers said as much after the game. I mean, just lastly, just like let this marinate. 54 three-pointers in his past six games. It's more than some teams. Like. <laughs> it is. That's funny. That's um, I know it yeah, is. Yeah, <laughs> and again, we could get into all the conversations about are we taking advantage of Steph Curry's greatest, blah, blah, blah. But you can always turn on the TV to watch men arguing about that on TV. Oh, my God. So, so silly. That is that, because that is just such a drawn out uh, question at this point. I had to poke some fun at it. (laughs) But let's move on to another story here that is interesting, to say the least. So I actually covered this for the New York Post today. So I'll just give you teed up real quick and then the floor is yours. But so the recent news, I'm sure you guys have seen that um, Kobe Bryant's estate has parted ways with Nike. They had a five-year extension after that went into his retirement years that just had expired on April 13th, um, coincidentally, years after his last game in 2016. Vanessa Bryant confirmed that the deal had expired to ESPN on Monday, where she also seemed to hint at sort of a contentious breakup with Nike, which has had an illustrious um, history with Kobe creating footwear brands that most of the league stars are wearing to this day. Um, I think ESPN said that in the NBA bubble season, 102 players wore Kobe's. And that's the most of any other shoe brand by an athlete to have their shoes worn in an NBA season, which is amazing in its own. But anyway, she um, her 
one quote stuck out particularly to me that said, quote, I was hoping for to forge a lifelong partnership with Nike that reflects my husband's legacy. We will always do everything to honor Kobe and Gigi's legacies. That will never change. But then there were sources that told um, ESPN that Vanessa and the estate were frustrated by the lifetime structure deals that Michael Jordan and LeBron James have in place right now. Hinting, this source said, that Kobe did not receive that type of lucrative offer in his extension when Nike approached them to renew the partnership. So Vanessa says, you know, she wants to keep Kobe's brand um, widely available and keep the shoes widely available. But it is believed that everything in production is and sales on Nike and Kobe are going to halt right now. And the estate can negotiate a new partnership at some point. But to me, this screams, you know, there was something not okay here and the estate is not happy. Hence the the departure of ways, which I'm sure wasn't tumultuous, but there was seemingly some frustration underlying there. Well, one of the things that Vanessa was very clear about was that she was not happy. And this was when the Nike undefeated pack was Kobe Pro Tour 6 pack was released and some of the other uh, Kobe models that mm-hmm. they were they were not widely available to to Kobe fans, right? They just couldn't get their hands on them. and Especially kid sizes mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. which she's and, been an advocate about. And we talked about this um, on my other show, the Kicks and Shit Show. Shout out to Gabby Rosenthal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Nike scarcity model is kind of just what they do. And they also have a, a, a problem with bots, right? Who, you know, people who go up online and just buy hundreds of pairs of these hard-to-get shoes – and resell them on the secondary market for double, triple, quadruple times the actual uh, retail price. And uh, I think a lot of that is part of Vanessa's frustration as well, because again, you know, the Kobe, the, the shoes when they release are not widely available for people to actually have an opportunity to get them. So that was part of the, the reason for the, for the split. As she mentioned the LBJ and Michael Jordan lifetime deals. Now, I don't know why Nike didn't give Kobe a lifetime deal or why they don't want to do one. Um, But if a company like Nike decides not to do that, there must be a reason, right? Mm -hmm. Because on just strictly pure business, the popularity of Kobe, even into his his death, his unfortunate death, that would, to me, suggest even more people would want to buy Kobe stuff. So what that's telling me is that somewhere along the line, Either the Kobe Bryant estate and Vanessa are were not happy with either what was proposed and on the Nike side, they weren't happy with the terms of the deal, right? Because when we're talking about this kind of thing, it's hundreds of millions of dollars, right? We're talking about a lot of money. So somewhere along the line, somebody on one side or both were not happy with the terms, right? A position right. was made and neither side wanted to budge on whatever that provision was. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know what the provision was, but that's th- that to me, when you're thinking about deals like this and why they don't go down, that's why mm-hmm. one side wanted something. The other one was not willing to give it right or give it under the terms that the side requested it. Well, is what, right. So when that happens, the, the side, the, the, the people move away from the bargaining table. Now, this is also right. interesting. The estate did trademark, uh, Mamba, um, and I believe it's for footwear and like different sort of apparel lines and that and uh, different types of clothing. And that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, his logo and signature. And that's interesting because uh, what that's telling me is that they're looking to branch out into a full-on 
uh, line, not just shoes, but apparel and other accessories as well. And maybe that was part of the sticking point. Maybe Nike wasn't willing to give complete control of whatever. And they said, no, we're not giving that up. I don't know. Again, this is all speculation. But with the the filing of the, with the estate filing for that trademark uh, today, that's what that's telling me, right? Is that, okay, clearly, you know, there was something somewhere where you didn't get what you truly felt that you wanted ownership of. And Mm -hmm. Nike wasn't willing to either grant that or whatever, or whatever it might be. That's what I'm thinking there. Right. And lastly, uh, just important to know, ESPN said that Kobe had actually um, explored creating his own Mamba brand uh, before his death. And um, upon the expiration of the Nike deal, they said in December 2019, he met with a creative agency to potentially help with the design of the logo and execute future product series. So interesting um i think it would be very nice to see vanessa and the estate create a a mamba brand on Mm -hmm. its own Mm -hmm. on its yeah um so hopefully maybe that is where they're headed so we shall see um but that is the latest in that and the end of an era between nike and kobe bryant Mm -hmm. so let's move on to another uh legend or legends we should say in the game your guy the point guard son cp3 point guard there he passed the lakers magic johnson for fifth on the nba's assist list not an easy accolade to do and to pass somebody like magic johnson is incredible um it's chris paul continues to shine he was also randomly in mvp talks as well depending on what level of nba fan you are Um, and again, making history still, uh, at an older age in the latter half of his career. And he recorded his 10,000th, 142nd assist passing Magic Johnson on the leaderboard. So, I mean, what do you got to say about the point God continuing to deliver to the red hot Phoenix Suns who are playoff contenders? I mean, kudos to the point God. I mean, this is, you know, the NBA is a game of giants, right? Like generally the big men tend to rule this game. Imagine how good you have to be to be someone of Chris Paul's size to be able to dominate the game in which he does. Like you are so incredibly skilled. Chris Paul, I mean, I say it at nausea and we say it on this podcast, we call him the point God for a reason. Like he is one of the greatest players to ever play this game. And, you know, yes, the, the 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 whole you know hole in his resume in terms of lacking a ring only being the one western conference final that should highlight the point even more clearly because no one would say chris paul is not a winner uh you know soft or like whatever no one would ever say any of those things about him he's the complete opposite of all of that it just goes to show you for someone as elite as chris paul is how hard it is to win in this hyper-competitive league. This league is so freaking good. And there's so many good people in this league. It is hard to win. Really, really hard. Uh, but shout out to the point god, man. Passing, uh, you know, my favorite player growing up, Magic Johnson, for fifth all-time. I mean, you know, Chris Paul, first ballot Hall of Famer. Like, I mean, all the list goes on and on. One of the greatest players of all time. I mean, you know, I'm thinking about making a list maybe of like the best little players in the history of the NBA. And by little, I'm gonna be I'm gonna cut it off with like anybody, 
anybody like six foot two and, and shorter or six three and shorter like who were the greatest players six three and shorter i mean chris paul for sure off the top of that list uh steph curry's exactly six three so he'd be on that list alan iverson uh zeke the original isaiah thomas i mean tiny archibald i mean there's just those that's right off the top of my head i mean the, the best small players in the history of this game and for them to be able to do what they did in a land of giants incredible I mean, retweet, retweet, <laughs> retweet. And that is that. I mean, again, great congratulations to CP3. He is so far away from Jason Kidd, who's number two. And then, of course, the all-time leader, John Stockton, mm-hmm. who is up there with 15,806. So there's that. Um, can you imagine, like, this is what these men did back in the day? Like, <laughs> You know, so like, much so much of being at the top of these lists is about longevity, right? Like you have to play long enough. Like I mean, because you're not gonna you're not hitting these in like eight or ten years. Like the everybody you mentioned, Stockton, Jason Kitt, like these guys played 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 seasons. Like you ain't kitting these numbers playing eight years. Like that's not how this game goes. So a large part of these accumulation numbers are about longevity. How long can you play in this game, right? Uh, again, shout, shouts to Chris Paul, man. He's just a gr- great player. Shouts to the Phoenix Suns, by the way. Uh, big win against Milwaukee last night. They are the number two team in the Western Conference record-wise. Listen, people, nobody talking about Phoenix, really. Everyone's like, Utah, Lakers, Denver. Phoenix might just, you know, Phoenix might sneak their way into a conference finals. Look out. Well, I mean, they're going to sneak into the conference finals because they got Kevin, or Kevin, they got Kendall, Dating um, <laughs> Devin Booker. <laughs> I said I said that because everybody calls them, you know, their little nickname together. But wait, what, what's their yeah, nickname together? They're um, what is, what is it like um, like, well, there's a couple. I mean, they're just splice their names together. You'll find them all. That, but that was me like regurgitating a bunch of them at once. Um, but. They're proving what no one is talking about, and that is that the Kardashian curse is not real. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll see. And that's all I gotta say about that. All right, let's move on because we gotta talk about my red hot Knicks as well. Yeah, I said it. My red hot Knicks. Okay. <laughs> Defeating the Pelicans in an overtime win to win their sixth straight game. People can't believe it. I can. Why? Because I always believe Gerard. <laughs> but we really do need to talk about how. Players are stepping up like Nerland's Noel and names that we really haven't said on this podcast in a minute. And we talk about this all the time, especially this season right now. But Julius Randle continues to impress, had his um, 30 plus point fourth straight game. And he matched Carmelo Anthony with the Knicks scoring streak, which is something to say because Mm -hmm. they have not been really good since the Carmelo Anthony era. (laughs) And were they even good then? I mean, let's be honest. Like, were they even good then? Anyway, continue. Um, let's not fight today. (laughs) Um, but yeah, that OT win over the Pelicans, they almost blew that 15 point lead, but they came out on top to win their sixth straight. And they are what teetering on the fifth, sixth seed in the East right now. Yeah. Listen, I mean, dang, listen, the Knicks are playing excellent ball right now. Julius Randle, I mean, he's, he's, I mean, most improved player. You talk about that. I mean, he might make an all-NBA team this year. Like, that, that's how good he's playing. Right? I just got the chills dry. That's, that's most, like the highest accolade for you. Well, as you know, as everyone who listens to this podcast knows, yes, all-stars are great, but all-NBA teams are what matters. That is the creme de la creme of awards in terms of, like, you know, not MVP or whatever. But, like, if you were right. named to one of the all-NBA teams, yeah, that's a huge deal. 
And especially given the, the dearth of injuries at the forward position. And again, I'm not like saying that to be like, oh, he'd only get it because of that. But Davis isn't making any All-NBA teams. He hasn't played enough games. Kevin Durant hasn't played enough games. So he won't make any All-NBA teams, right? Like those are two spots right there, gone, now mm-hmm. open, now opened up for, for a front court player like Randall. He's played a lot of minutes. He's played well. The Knicks are a top 10 defense in the NBA. I mean, yo, look, they're grinding. And Tibbs has got to get a lot of credit for that. The culture and the attitude in that locker room and that over that over there has changed tremendously. Um, and it's a big part. You know, Leon Rose, William Wesley, like that whole crew, they are they're trying to make this a thing. And, you know, uh, Tom Thibodeau, Coach of the Year, I mean, look, he's in there. I mean, Monty Williams is going to get a lot of Coach of the Year buzz, as he should. As I said, the Suns have the second best record in the NBA. So, um, you know. Monty deserves it, too. They're, yes, they're they're playing quite well. But what Tibbs has done is no joke. And that, that squad, they, they embody him, right? They're tough. They grind every possession. There's no quit until the clock literally says 0-0-0. Zero, zero, zero. Uh, it's all all those sort of like sporty cliche things that are kind of like whatever no but actually matter for this squad right and for what they've been dealing with as an organization for the past 20 years uh this Mm -hmm. is this is huge man listen new york knicks fans get ready you're going to have meaningful spring basketball like something you haven't had in since the carmelo days which again you know whatever but like and i think if you're able to continue this this is going to be a consistent thing where you're in the playoffs, and my God, isn't that all you want, just to be consistently in the playoffs every year? <laughs> Heck yeah. I mean, hey, the juices were flowing so good. The high was so high the other night that even Zion, who lost, <laughs> um, came out and was gushing over playing in his favorite place, Madison Square Garden, after that loss. If I was coach or in that team, I'd be like, you better you better wipe that smile right off your face. You saying you love playing here. We just lost an OT, man. And then all the, all the silly shows talked about this for like three days. Zion, I'm going to come to the next. It's like, no. Oh, my God. It was like, like exhausting. It's, it's not happening. Stop it. Like, stop. Just right. Stop. <laughs> I mean, we'll see how long the Knicks can carry this out. I mean, again, pending injury, knock on wood, but they've been, um, they've been relatively healthy too. I mean, yeah, I know um, Mitchell Robinson's uh, hurt. I know they've had some, yeah. some, but like their main guys have been. I mean, that's the thing. If your main guys are healthy, you always got a chance. Heck yeah. We'll see if uh, Tibbs gets that coach of the year accolade. Um, it should be a tight race, but he'll definitely be a front runner, in my opinion. So that's that. <laughs> Um, let's move on to some quick hits though. Cause we got to talk about some guys getting some chances on contending teams, including mm-hmm. DeMarcus cousins, who just signed a 10 day contract with the Clippers. Interestingly enough, the Clippers pick up the big man and they already have Kawhi Leonard PG 13. What do you think this means for the Clippers in their already quiet, but contending, uh, performance? I mean, sad to say not much, Jenna, like DeMarcus boogie, boogie's a shell of himself and it's the injuries, right? The injuries sapped him of like, I mean, this is an all NBA big man in his prime and the injuries just robbed him and took all that away. And it's a shame because he was, man, he was so good, but uh, he's not going to be of any, you know, relevance come playoff time in terms of them winning games or winning series. So, I mean, it's just probably insurance for them in case they need more size to battle, you know, um, uh, Jokic in the playoffs, Gobert, but uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't think he's going to be, you know, sort of like the, Let's put it this way. The DeMarcus Cousins signing does not make the Clippers automatic title favorites, right? Like that's, he doesn't tilt the scales in that way. Not anymore. And it's sad. It is sad indeed. 
I'm so sad. Oh, we've been rooting for you. No, but it's listen. Insert the Tyra Banks gif here. <laughs> injuries, injuries suck, man. They just they do. They do, they do. Another thing on a somber note here that um, was not good to hear over the weekend was that Houston guard um, and forward Sterling Brown was a victim of a pretty serious assault um, that left him with face facial lacerations that which required medical attention after he was allegedly hit over the head with a bottle when he was jumped outside of a Miami club over the weekend on Sunday. Um, the Athletics said that multiple sources close to the incident said it was a serious altercation. He was submitted to the hospital um, early Monday, according to multiple sources, and was discharged from the emergency room the same day. Um, and Coach Steven Silas said on Monday that he is going to be okay. And right now, Sterling Brown is out with injury um, prior that has nothing to do with um, the altercation. But pretty scary stuff. Um, he appeared to be by himself, yeah, I think. Yeah, and it, from what I've read, it doesn't seem like he knew the individual who did this. Like, I mean, right. this sort of senseless violence is, I mean, this is not, that's not the hallmark of a civilized society. Like, that's just not. Yeah. Like, and th there's no place for this in, 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 civil, in civilized society. There really just isn't. So pra prayers up and best wishes to Tony Brown for a speedy recovery. Seriously, wishing him all the best. That is definitely scary stuff. And it's not all fun and games in the 305. Nope. So, I mean, then again, Big Face Coffee is headquartered there. So. <laughs> <Jeffy> <laughs> <Butler>. <laughs> all right. Another note here. Uh, another emotional uh, note. LaMarcus Aldridge came out recently with an unexpected long statement that he is retiring uh after he recently just signed with the next at with the nets after he played with an irregular heartbeat and just found that out which scared the crap out of him and he is now deciding to put his family first put put his youth first um and hang it up for good so lamarcus actually the irregular heart he's that he was diagnosed with that much earlier in his career so it's something that he's oh. that he's played with what happened was uh and i believe it was the game that they played against the lakers uh, a couple saturdays ago um he said he had that he had never felt that way before with the particular yes. heartbeat right and so when he went to get tested yeah. they're like look man here's what's going on with you and in, in, in the heart and it's really and lamarcus at this stage of his career he's like i mean what i mean as much as i want to win a championship What's it going to do if I win a championship and then I drop dead tomorrow? I mean, not trying to be macabre about it, but no, it, it's but just, it's, it's not worth it, right? Like, it, it's, you know, he he's had a hell of a career, seven-time All-Star, four or five-time All-NBA. Um, uh, everybody remembers him from the Portland Trailblazers, uh, this last time with the Spurs, and of course the Nets. I mean, for sure, the Blazers should definitely hang his, Raptors, his jersey up in the Raptors, Rafters. He, you know, he, he was the youth, he, he bridged the gap between Brandon Roy and, and Damian Lillard, you know, like he, he's that guy. I mean, he was a certified bucket in that low post, you know, turnover yeah. left shoulder, bang, every, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. he's just, he's that dude. Um, and you know, we always say he's bigger than basketball and he knows that. And, uh, his statement was heartfelt and I know that, um, you know, his, his next teammates, uh, support him and his decision and just want him to have the best possible life, you know, going forward with his family. I mean, these mm -hmm. guys are. He's young. He's like 30 something. You know what I mean? Let's, let's right. not, uh, right. This is, let, let, let's do what we have to do. Um, he retired just short of 20,000 points for his career. I mean, that's there. You, you're at, you're at basically a 20,000 point scorer. You're in the hall of fame. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's that dude. So, uh, shouts to LaMarcus for a hell of a career. And, um, 
best wishes for a long, healthy life in retirement. Amen to that. Um, yeah. Uh, Dame Lillard also spoke out too and said that the trailblazers should be hanging his jersey up in the rafters, which again, I'm sure will happen. He spent nine seasons with the trailblazers, but yeah, I mean, great career, incredible, incredible post player. Mm -hmm. And let's not forget that. Mm -hmm. And just last note too, with that, the heart is no joke. Um, you know, my dad has heart problems Mm -hmm. and it really, it's, it's life altering. So I respect his decision. And I think personally, just having somebody close to me who deals with that, I think he made the right decision. So I'm very happy for him. Uh, Let's talk about some LaMelo Ball, shall Mm -hmm. we? Because he has been surprisingly quickly, unexpectedly quickly, uh, cleared to resume basketball activity after surgery on that fractured right wrist that he suffered earlier this year and which is super interesting because it's obviously a big step in his recovery which I think is great however is it too soon to rush back the star point guard who has really been making a case for himself for rookie of the year before that was halted due to the fractured wrist yeah I think you know and this is a larger question with injury I know this podcast has been heavy on the NBA injury but you know in my conversations with medical professionals uh, head, head trainers in the NBA and orthopedic surgeons and various folks of that nature. The biggest thing that you have to look at when a player is coming back, coming back from an injury, it's not just about the area that was operated on or it's being recovered or whatever that gets to heal. Yes, that is, of course, a big piece of it. But the next step in ensuring that it is the right time to come back is, and this is why teams that invest heavily in their athletic and performance and training staff and use modern technology and stay up to date on cutting edge science, they tend to do better than teams that are like old school and like, you know, just strap it up, whatever, get back out there, you'll be fine. You want to make sure that, so hopefully the Charlotte Hornets, prior to LaMelo being injured, they have uh, enough record keeping of strength tests of LaMelo and to see where he was strength-wise prior to the injury Mm -hmm. and as they look to get him back to come back off this wrist surgery yes is the wrist healed one two is his strength at the level it was pre-injury right these are the little things that you right if he is then you can start looking at okay here's my ramp up table this is what we want to do etc too many times teams and people in the past what you do is oh is the hamstring or the whatever thing healed? Cool. Okay. No, 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 no. Because the rest of the body atrophies while you're doing that, right? Are you back to the baseline level you were prior to the injury? If you are, that's our that's our basis point to work from. And hopefully that's what the Charlotte Hornets are doing. And correct me if I'm wrong, but LaMelo Ball is a righty, right? He is, I believe. So that right wrist, that's a shooting hand. And he's averaging like almost 16 <laughs> points a game. So... Yeah, they, I they mean, better lock that down. There's so he's much the future there. Of that franchise. Range of motion, everything. So yeah, yes, the wrist, sure, and its ability, but also where is he strength-wise, right? Like what that that all that stuff is important. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah! All right, on a last note here, comical note. Uh, <laughs> Timberwolves rookie Anthony Edwards. This kid is media gold. He oh yeah, is he's hilarious. He keeps on giving in interviews, and it's hilarious. He recently had a Q and A with GQ where. They said, basically, come on, man, like, 
did you really not know who A-Rod was? And he said, I'm paraphrasing, but he was like, nah, some some of my friends texted me and told me he was an MLB um, Hall of Famer, like the Michael Jordan of the MLB. <laughs> I can't with that. Like, that just, that got me. But then he was, they were like, so what do you know about A-Rod? And he was like, I know that he's dating J-Lo. <laughs> And Sadly, as you all no more. know, the breakup heard around the world <laughs> recently was J-Lo and A-Rod. So the interviewer hilariously corrected him and said they were broken up. And his response was, damn. <laughs> <laughs> and he was just like, I want him to be happy. I want them to get back together. He's my, <laughs> he's going to be my owner. As you guys know, Alex Rodriguez is part of an ownership group that is closing in on a deal to own the Minnesota Timberwolves from Glenn Taylor, as well as the WNBA's Minnesota Lynx, mm-hmm. which is huge. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he'll probably be uh, Anthony Edwards' future boss. And if you guys <laughs> haven't caught up with this, you wouldn't know that last week Anthony Edwards was asked about his potential new boss when the deal all w- was in the news. And he said, I don't know who that is. <laughs> so, I mean... That's that. As as we talked about, you know, he's 19 years old. Like when A-Rod was doing his thing in his prime, Anthony Edwards was who knows what he was doing. Not paying attention to baseball, I don't think. Um, I thought it was funny that he was like, I want them to get back together. I'm sure Alex would like to get back together too. Um, however. Uh, uh, Coldplay breakup songs on his story. So, uh, yeah, you know. And, you know, he was he was going through it. Similar to when, when Diddy and J-Lo break up. Diddy was going through it as well. Uh, J-Lo has that effect on men, it seems. That when they, when they break up, they kind of go through it for a while. Shouts to J Lo, by hanging. the way. Looking, you see what she's looking like looking, lately. Looking fabulous as always. Shouts to J Lo. I'm going through it too. <laughs> I'm going through it still, and I ain't even that relationship. Damn it. <laughs> well, folks, as always, you know where to find us: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. We are at Seven Footers Pod on Twitter, at Seven Footers Podcast on Instagram, at JS Hector, at Gentleman Selly, and we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Spent a couple years out here with these raps Trying to have a plan that we made come true Plotted some jobs but I ain't hit back I don't want to trap, what's a man gonna do? Chevy told me come through to the spot Got a little kickback, bring the whole crew